This is the day that the Lord has made. We shall rejoice and be glad in it. Hi, my name is Dr. Lou Diaz, pastor of Butte Bible Fellowship located at 2255 Pillsbury Road in Chico. And I'm providing inspirational teaching for you from God's Word each week. Listen to my weekly radio program, Encouraging Words with Dr. Lou Diaz, at 10 a.m. on Saturday or 10 a.m. on Sunday. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. On chapter 8, we're continuing our portraits of Christ in the Gospel of John, and we come now to John chapter 8. You'll notice when you look at John 8 that the first 11 verses are in in uh, italics, meaning that they are not in the oldest of manuscripts, but they are in enough manuscripts to merit this being in the Bible. So the Bible is a very accurate collection of ancient manuscripts. Uh, there are more manuscripts confirming the validity and accuracy of the Bible than there are for Shakespeare's writings. So we have the truth before us, and let us listen to this. We're going to read the first 11 verses, and then we'll cover the chapter. Then they went home, but Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. At dawn, he appeared again in the temple courts, where all the people gathered around him, and he sat down to teach them. The teachers of the law and the Pharisees brought in a woman caught in adultery, they made her stand before the group and said to her, Teacher, this woman was caught in the act of adultery. In the law, Moses commanded us to stone such a woman. Now what do you say? They were using this question as a trap in order to have a basis for accusing him. But Jesus bent down and started to write on the ground with his finger. When they kept on questioning him, he straightened up and said to them, let any one of you who's without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. Again, he stooped down and wrote on the ground. At this, those who heard began to go away one at a time, the older ones first, until only Jesus was left, with the woman standing there. Jesus straightened up and asked her, Woman, where are they? Has no one condemned you? No one, sir, she said, then neither do I condemn you, Jesus declared. Go now and leave your life of sin. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for revealing your son, Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And thank you for what we're going to learn today as we look at Jesus, who is the light of the world. Amen. Jesus said in John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Now, what you need to know to really appreciate what Jesus said and when he said it is that part of the Feast of Tabernacles was to light giant candelabra. 
of three sets of candles 75 feet high in front of the temple. So young men would climb up and put 10 gallons of oil in the holder and light it like an Olympic torch. And there'd be three of these giant candelabras shining in front of the temple. The temple, of course, is on top of a hill. So everyone in the valley, all the Jews who have come from around the world to celebrate the Feast of Tabernacles, sees this glorious light that reminds them that just as they lived in tents going through the wilderness, the desert, they were led by a pillar of fire by night. Now, when Jesus says, I am that light, do you get it? What is he saying? I was that pillar of fire that led you through the wilderness. I am not just a light for Jewish people, I am a light for all people, Jew and Gentile alike. I am the light of the world so that if you will follow me, you will never walk in darkness, but you will have the light of life. Jesus is saying that he's an equal opportunity savior. Whether you're Jewish or Gentile, by choosing to trust in him as your savior, by choosing to continue to follow him, you step into the light, the light comes into you, the Spirit of God, and you no longer need to be a victim of sin and Satan and the fear of death. You've stepped into the sunshine. You're now a child of light among the children of light. And we are to bear the fruit of light, which, every, which is everything that's good, right, and true. This is possible because Jesus is the light of the world. Who would want to stay in darkness? Who would want to be um, stumbling and tripping over things and making a mess of their lives when they can let Jesus be the pillar of fire going before them, blazing the way for the next step? In life, Jesus is the light of the world. Now, for me, looking at the entire chapter, I break it down this way, <clears throat> that by Jesus saying, the I am, the I am is a reference to Exodus chapter 3, where God revealed himself to Moses and told Moses his name. When Moses said, who shall I say sent me to tell Pharaoh to let my people go? And how will the Israelites follow me? Who am I going to say told me to do this? And God revealed his name and he said, I am 
who I am. That's the name Yahweh. I am who I am. That's the divine name. So sacred, Jews cannot even say the name Yahweh. But Jesus is saying, I am. I am God, and I am the light of the world. In 1 John chapter 1, verse 5, John writes, God is light, and in him there is no darkness at all. So when you think of who God is, God is spirit, God is light, God is love, and God is a consuming fire. He's holy. That's who God is. God is light, he is love, he's spirit, he's consuming fire, he's holy. That's who God is. Jesus is God. Jesus is making a claim to be God that's backed up by his miracles, and he keeps on repeating over and over to them, I just came from heaven, I'm going back to heaven, and they don't get it. Where is he going? Is he going to commit suicide that he says we can't follow him? They're thinking earthly, physically. And Jesus is saying, I am who I am, the light of the world. So, light has a revealing function. When you are in the dark, you can't see a thing. Now, for me, I often take my cell phone and the one thing I've learned to be able to find is the light button. And when I turn the light button on, suddenly I can see, and I'm not as afraid as I was before, that I'm going to trip or fall over something, because I have a light. It helps so much. And light reveals things. Now there's three things in John chapter 8 that are revealed. Number one, Jesus as light of the world reveals God the Father. Number two, Jesus as light of the world reveals the truth. And number three, Jesus as light of the world reveals that he is God. Let's look at these in turn. First of all, we see that Jesus as the light of the world reveals that God is is the Father. In John 8, 7, they set up Jesus by bringing before him a woman caught in adultery. And they set him up for a trap. And here's how it works. If Jesus says, yes, the law of Moses says you should stone someone caught in adultery, then Jesus would be guilty of breaking the Roman law that would not allow execution by citizens. But if he says, no, she shouldn't be stoned, she shouldn't be killed, then he would be guilty of not upholding the law of Moses. So which law is Jesus going to break? The Roman law or the law of Moses? They're trying to trap him. 
Jesus squats down and he starts writing something in the sand. We all wonder, what was he writing? We're going to talk about that in a moment. But when he stands up, he says, let him without sin throw the first stone. I don't know if you caught how brilliant that is. But what he did was he upheld the law of Moses that such a person should be stoned. But he said, everyone who sins deserves death. All have sinned and the wages of sin is death. If any of you are without sin, you may now cast the first stone. You see what he did? He raised the law of Moses. He applied the law of Moses more uh, completely than they ever thought. Now he was meddling. It's getting personal. It's getting hot. Because they are on the spot. So now he squats down again and he starts writing in the sand and they start leaving one after another. Notice from the oldest to the youngest. Okay, so first of all, what did he write in the sand? I want to know. The answer is, we don't know. But can we guess? The answer is yes. Such guesses as this. He was writing in the sand the sins of the scribes and the Pharisees. And when they saw their sin, they were like, uh-oh, I'm out of here. You know, when we judge people, we're pointing a finger at them, judging them. But there are three fingers pointing back at us judging us. We want to be self-righteous judges who say, you're such a sinner, when we don't realize how much we have sinned too. So he's writing the sins of the scribes and Pharisees. That's one guess. Another is that he was writing a message to the Pharisees. But the one I like the most is he was simply writing the Ten Commandments. Now, why do I say that? Because it says he was writing with his finger. Do you remember how the tablets were written of the Ten Commandments originally? By the finger of God. Jesus is God. Jesus is writing on the sand with the same handwriting as God. And when you list the Ten Commandments... All of us have broken one or two or all. And if you're guilty of breaking one, you're guilty of breaking all because you have to live perfectly by the Ten Commandments if you're going to go live by the law. None of us can live by the law, and therefore we're all sinners. But here's a good reason why they left from oldest to youngest, and tell me if you can relate. Because when you live a long, long time, 
you are very much aware of your sins. But when you were a young punk, when you were an up, you know, an upstart, you thought you could do no wrong and you were invincible. And you were pretty haughty and uh, full of yourself. And so you're kind of stubborn and you're not going to leave. I, I want to throw this rock. I want to throw this rock. But then you realize as you read the Ten Commandments or whatever Jesus wrote, you're a guilty sinner. And you drop your rock and you leave. You see, rock throwers are grace killers. Rock throwers are grace killers. The Lord is revealing the Father to us because it says in John chapter 1 that He, the Word was made flesh and He revealed the Father full of grace and truth. So you see that Jesus upholds truth when He says, leave your life of sin. But he shows grace when he says, neither do I condemn you. The only one who could have thrown that stone was the one without sin, the only one that was left, which was Jesus. And instead he says, I do not condemn you. But also leave your life of sin. Grace and truth. Jesus reveals the Father full of grace. And truth. So when we minister to people, we need to recognize that they're sinners, but we're sinners. We need to take the log out of our eye before we take the splinter out of their eye. We need to do no judging because judging is up to God. That's His job, not our job. Our job is to tell them about Jesus and to love on them. Leave the judging up to God. We need to have grace and truth, love and truth. Light also reveals the truth. We find in John 8, 31 to 32, Jesus says to the Jews who had believed him, Jesus said, if you hold to my teaching, you are really my disciples. Then you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. Jesus is saying that my teaching, what I'm saying to you, is 100% true, and not only is it true, it is spiritually liberating. It's a key that unlocks the prisons in your life. And if you will follow me and follow my truth, you will experience ever-increasing freedom. Jesus is promising this to you and to me. So here it is. Before you received Christ, you were a slave to sin. And Jesus says that. He says, Very truly, I tell you, everyone who sins is a slave to sin. Now, a slave has no permanent place in the family, but a son belongs to it forever. So if the son sets you free, you will be free indeed. Before, you and I were slaves to sin, and when sin said jump, we said how high? Now we're sons and daughters of the King through faith in Jesus Christ, and when sin comes to us and says jump, we say I don't have to. 
by the power of the Holy Spirit within us, by the truth of God's Word, we can stand in obedience to Christ and not be slaves to sin any longer. We're children of the King. And He's setting us free from the inside out. So the truth is something that is not something you just make a decision about without discipleship. You have to believe and you have to cleave. You have to keep on following Jesus. Keep on obeying Him and experience increasing freedom. The Bible says you have been transferred from the dominion of darkness to the kingdom of God's beloved Son. Where are you right now? You're in the kingdom of God's beloved Son. You're not in the dominion of darkness anymore. So now, with that new life, you can live according to the truth. You can be open and honest with God about your struggles, and He will help you. He will grow you. He will forgive you. He will heal you. And He'll keep on doing that. Now, for some of us, if you picture a mountain, and the mountain has, a, has ridges, and those ridges represent the sin areas in our lives that we struggle in. For some, you struggle with, with uh, jealousy, or you struggle with lust, or you struggle with uh, anger. Whatever the sin ridge is in your mountain of your life, as you're getting up to go to heaven, you come around the mountain and you hit that ridge, and there you are, struggling with that sin. And you say, oh, wretched creature that I am, who will deliver me from this body of sin? And the answer is, praise the Lord, the Holy Spirit will, as you live the truth. So you come around the mountain, and guess what? That ridge is not there anymore. Wow, I'm not the liar I used to be. God's really set me free from that. But then there's another ridge in your life. You come around the mountain, and you hit that. And you come around the mountain, you keep hitting it. And you might hit it all the way to you get to see Jesus. But you know what? God's grace in your life has been freeing you from ridges of sin struggle all along. And he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. When you see Jesus, you shall instantly be like him. And you'll be set free from the presence of sin altogether. You'll be free at last. Free at last. When you're finally home with the Lord. Now, with regards to truth, I found in John chapter 8 that Jesus spoke the unadulterated truth to these teachers of the law and others listening in, when he said, if God were your father, you would love me, for I have come here from God. I have not come on my own. God sent me. Why is my language not clear to you? Because you are unable to hear what I say. You know, like, have you ever said, talk to someone who just isn't understanding what you're saying? Why don't you understand? What am I saying that you don't get? That's what Jesus is saying here. And he says, the reason you don't get it is because you belong to your father, the devil. Whew! 
Is that not speaking the truth? And you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning and not holding to the truth. For there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks his native language. For he is a liar and the father of lies. Yet because I tell the truth, you do not believe me. Can any of you prove me guilty of sin? If, I'm, if I am telling the truth, why don't you believe me? Whoever belongs to God, hears what God says. The reason you do not hear is that you do not belong to God. Jesus lays it out straight. He tells them flat out, because you do not belong to God, you're doing what the devil wants you to do. What do these leaders want to do? They want to kill Jesus. They want to see him executed because they're, guilt, they're jealous of him, having power and more of a following. They judge him as a liar and as demon-possessed. They even call him a, Samar a Samaritan devil. I mean, it's not enough to say, you devil. You've got to throw in, you Samaritan devil. Because they hated the Samaritans. And so they added an extra adjective to really say how much they hated him. And all they're doing is reflecting their father, who's the devil. The devil hates. The devil wants to kill, crush, and destroy. The devil wants to keep people from hearing the truth and puts a veil over the eyes of unbelievers so they might not see the love of God in the face of Christ. We're in spiritual warfare, and Jesus is simply saying straight out to them, The only way you're going to hear me is if you really want to connect with God and He reveals it by, your, by His Spirit, then you'll get it. And finally, uh, light reveals Jesus as God. And I find this to be my favorite part of John 8 because here they are, here Jesus is saying, your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. And the people are like, what? What did you just say? Jesus said, your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. What? You're not yet 50 years old, they said to him. And you have seen Abraham? Here's my favorite part. Very truly I tell you, Jesus answered, before Abraham was born, I am. They clearly understand that is a claim to be God because they pick up stones to stone him for his blasphemy. But Jesus slips out um, from the temple grounds. It's not his time yet. It's not his time yet to suffer for our sins and rise from the dead. But praise God, he is God. And Abraham rejoiced to see that there was a salvation plan and that he would come to lay down his life, that whoever believes in Jesus would be transferred from darkness to the kingdom of light. So number one, if you want to be able to see where you're going and be led by a pillar of fire, the Lord, trust in him. Number two, if you want to be set free from the inside out, 
First of all, being set free from sin and Satan and the fear of death, trust in Jesus. And third, if you want an absolute assurance of your faith, then know that Jesus is God. He is eternal. That's what we have here. I am the light of the world. Light reveals God the Father. Light reveals the truth. And light reveals Jesus is God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for John chapter 8. Thank you for your son Jesus. We believe in him and trust him right now. We want to step into light. We want to be set free. We want to believe in him who is truly God, Jesus Christ. And so, Lord, thank you. Our faith is in you. And we praise you and bless you and rely upon you. In Jesus' name, amen. Do you need encouragement? I want to share my spiritual gift of encouragement with you. If you would like to hear my current message series, you may call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521. Call Butte Bible Fellowship at 530-892-0521 to find out how you can connect with our weekly worship services and faith-building messages from God's Word.